Hello everybody and welcome to a podcast of Biblical Proportions. Episode 6, Cain and Abel, the oldest conflict in the book. The tale of Cain and Abel, better known as Cain and Abel, is yet another iconic and archetypical Bible story known far and wide. In our popular memory, it is the first murder, the first fratricide, symbolizing the timeless family trait of competition between brothers for their father's attention. This universal theme has made this 3,000-year-old concise and simple story, only 187 words long, still relevant today. As usual, we're going to dive into the world of the people who wrote or listened to this story to see what we can come up with. Hi, Omri. Hi. So, you know, the first distinction maybe for me in this story is unrelated to Cain and Abel, but this is the first story so far that we've read that there's no God, God's Elohim, or God Yahweh, just straight up Yahweh. Mm-hmm. The standalone deity of the people who wrote and edited the whole book. The most prominent and obvious theme of this story is the fact that you have two brothers and they hold a different... Um, Mm-hmm. Jobs, different <laughs> jobs in society. One professions. is <laughs> professions. One is a herder, and one is a yeah, works, uh, the, works land. the land. And then their names, Cain and Hevel or Abel or Cain Abel or whatever. <laughs> how do you want to uh, imagine their accent again? Mm-hmm. It's a more southern name. Hevel, Hevel Abel. The name Hevel or Abel or Abel or Abel. It has the same root as an ancient Arabic word. Uh, which means herdsman. Mm. So it's a clear archetype of a herder like Adam, a clear ar- archetype of man. Man, exactly. And kind, the same. It has the same root as an ancient southern Arabic uh, word that means metalsmith. Ah. So it's no coincidence that we see only Yahweh here. If you follow this trail of thought, it's a southern story. The ancient Israelites, even in the Bible story itself, they are separated into two groups, the northern group and the southern group. The southern group is where Jerusalem is. The northern group is where Hazor is, is uh, another famous city. Hazor? Yeah. I think it's Hazor. 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 So there's two clear voices out of the Bible, and the voice that tells this story is the southern voice yeah for, for me i'm not sure it's a matter of uh, yahwists versus elohist or whatever it is uh, genesis is a book mostly about herds people abraham jacob and all that i think this is just like tying into that it's a book by herdsmen for herdsmen former herdsmen most probably imagining their herdsmany past. Mm. Also, this is a very short story. This is a very short story. They, ha- they have to put in all their cultural uh, baggage into the story. It's, 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 it's half a word document. Similar uh, stories about conflicts between uh, nomadic shepherds and settled farmers appear in uh, Sumerian stories, in Babylonian mm-hmm. stories. And, you know, just from knowing the geography here and the history, it doesn't seem that this is a Hebrew story. Mm-hmm. I think it's more relevant to the Mesopotamian societies and the never-ending conflicts that they had between ancient, agricult- ancient agricultural cities and the nomads around them. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You can, uh, you can see that even today uh, in, in movies about city people going to live in the village. Mm-hmm. Then you have this eternal conflict, the village, they're slower, 
they're more authentic, mm-hmm. the city people, they are more uh, sophisticated, they know more, but they're also they more soft, also. more soft and snobbish, maybe. So this is the same, uh, the same kind of thing like that, that we instinctively, we recognize the differences between those two forms of, uh, of societies. This and, is, and this is the oldest conflict in the book. Since civilization arose, because back 20, 30,000 years back then, there were no civilization, only uh, hunter-gatherers. Nomadic cultures? That was the, nomadic cultures was the default of human society, mm-hmm. because your existence was nomadic. Uh, it's not exactly nomadic. You had like a 10,000 kilometer radius or something like that, meters radius that you nomad in it <laughs> but when your resources were failing and uh, you need to find new grounds then you were yes. Uh, yes. the nomadic way of life was the default not the settled yes. way of life and then it started to change and here comes the tension and then became conservatism <laughs> <laughs> no it's the It's not only a tension between settled societies and the nomadic societies that sometimes do bad things to yeah. that settled society. They rob, they pillage, they raid, they, they raid, they pillage. It's not only that. It's the fact that the nomadic societies hold some kind of a, an original, mm-hmm. basic uh, essence of humanity. Of humanity, yes. of like... old school uh, not touched by times by yes. fashions like yes. something authentic, raw authentic, authentic like the like exactly. the village uh, village dwellers in uh, in today's movies exactly i read a great book called the history of the arabs and even there the author talks about this constant tension between the settled societies i forgot the name and the nomadic society in, the, in arabia in arabia The desert. And the fact that the nomadic perceptions of the Arab, even though that throughout the history of Arabs there were nomadic people and settled people, there were more than two or three versions of being an Arab. The nomadic perception of the Arab with his camels, the Bedwa, that's the name. Hadar is the settled society, Bedwa it's the... Like Bedouin today. Like Bedouin today. People of the desert are considered... more authentic, raw uh, yeah, close, Arab. Closer to nature. Exactly. Yes. So it's not only a conflict between the settled societies and the, the nomadic cultures, as we said. It's also the fact that Yahweh, the god, the deity, and also in the other Mesopotamian myth that you mentioned, God favors the nomadic part. So he, Sha'a, uh, he likes... Uh, what uh, Hevel gives him. Hevel, he's the herder. He likes the... The meat and the fat. The meat and the fat and the milk. But he doesn't like... <laughs> the fruits of the land. The fruits of the land. The agriculture. And he doesn't even say why. He's just like, no, didn't sha'a. <laughs> didn't like it. Just didn't like it. So even the authors tell the audience, God favors the original part. Favors your more uh, untouched by civilization... by the moral deprivation that civilization Boom. brings. Boom. And that feeling of the bigger your civilization is, your society, your culture, the more it becomes, it becomes bigger, mm-hmm. 
the moral deprivation of that uh, society becomes yes. bigger as well. Yes, and you dilute so the essence of the culture because it becomes more cosmopolitan, and if it's bigger, then you, 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 you put in uh, more kinds of people into your empires, so you lose mm-hmm. something. You lose something like your original sense. Yes, this is like essence. Brexit. This is like Brexit. No, we want to go back to being our own British self, whatever the fuck that means. Or actually it's more like how the Romans viewed themselves as the civilization, the decadent civilization that is getting softer vis-a-vis those uh, Germans uh, slash Gauls slash uh, Celtics, whatever it is. The closer, you, the closer you are to nature, the truer you are to how humans are and the more ferocious you are. Uh, to your point about uh, Hevel, Hubble, so look at the punctuation. The first time they say, they mention the Hevel's name, it's punctuated Havel. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay, his brother Havel, and then it says Hevel right there. And Hevel was, so it's, it's both Havel and Hevel. Okay. Some say that this is a story that the characters, because of their names, And because this is a kind of a reclamation of a well-told stories in the area, that they are symbolic characters. But I don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy I, it? No, because I think that back then when the editors imagined the uh, prehistory, and they didn't consider it as prehistory, but history, the beginning, the genesis, it was a missing plot. It was a plot hole to be filled. There is a clear hierarchy in their culture yes. of the people who listen to this story. Power and roles, gender roles and roles in society. So there's a burning question of how we got here that some people are herdsmen and some people work the land because it, they, it, this, is the more, this is the most basic professions. And, and we will see later, we will see later in the, later, in the next episode, we will see... actual professions being created mm. we need to answer the question of how we got here in terms of some people do this and some people mm. do this and to that also the nomadic people they see the the settled societies doing better they're richer they are more powerful so okay that yeah. might be true but Yahweh mm. he liked my shit better than he liked yours we are more moral we are more moral or it could also just be A story by herds people in a book about herds people telling themselves that Yahweh prefers them over the others quote, quote unquote the farmers and that he has always preferred them from the beginning and they use this uh, ancient uh, Sumerian and the, scri- and the writers use the ancient Sumerian story to make a political point in a literary way adapting you know an, an ancient tale into Hebrew hmm. because as you said this is a story meant to explain How things got where they are, so it's clearly meant to tell a tale about the distant, forgotten past of the people who wrote and listened to it. And since the people who had scribes, they had money and status, I guess the actual physical herding uh, element in their life was more <laughs> symbolic and an identity thing than actual uh, herding. Yeah, yeah. But they want to say that way back in the day, our ancestors, they were the real OGs. So here in the story, being concise as it is, the English version has more than double the words. 
396 words versus 187 with all the hath and the art thou shall and thou shall be and all that this is just becomes a totally different story but they did a good job in the translation here in one of the most famous uh, phrases uh, in Hebrew in the Bible Hashomer Achianochi translated to am I my brother's keeper an iconic sentence and we, and we saw in the previous episodes that they didn't do uh, that good a job with, uh, with translating uh, yeah with the English translation that uh, has lost his uh, iconicism whatever it is and there's another one uh, another uh, phrase that we now use someone who is sad his face has fallen lama <laughs> naflu <laughs> Okay. His countenance fell. His nah. countenance, yeah. Nah. Lame. Lame. <laughs> and another thing in the translation, they have a chance to correct the grammar because there is a problem in the way that they describe uh, the murder. In Hebrew it says, said Cain to uh, Hevel's brother, as they were in the field, Cain came to his brother and murdered him. Okay, what did he say? It starts with said. So in the English translation, they just uh, fudge it up. And they say, uh, when Cain talked uh, with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up, uh, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. <laughs> slew him. He just kills him, actually. Didn't, didn't really slay him. Uh, uh, when Yahweh asks Cain, uh, where is your brother? This is again the same Yahweh from the previous episode who says, where Interrogator are, uh, Yahweh. Yeah, yeah. Where, are, uh, where are you? Also, interrogator, uh, interrogator. And also, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know everything. He realizes uh, what has happened because he has a superpower. And then, again, the punishment is the same punishment that we saw last time is that. Working the land is going to be very, very, very tough. The land will not give you its power mm-hmm. anymore. And then he sends him to be a nomad. How, you, how do you square that? Navanad in mm-hmm. Hebrew is very nice. Navanad, yeah, Navanad. going here and there. Uh, so the punishment for, uh, for, for someone who does agriculture is to become a nomad. I guess doesn't have uh, the skills to make that work or something <laughs> maybe that's the thing or not uh, maybe it's some kind of um, excommunication not in the Christian sense mm. but uh, when someone is instead of killing him and some, somebody from the tribe does a really bad thing the, the most powerful punishment you can give him is yes. being excommunicated from the tribe yes. and being shunned by your peers yes you have no protection you have nothing mm-hmm. right and here God gave him the mark of Cain so people will know not to kill him <laughs> yes because he whines about his punishment that uh, people will kill him uh, by the way I wanted to say earlier about Cain you said that it derives from an Arab an ancient Arabic word so the way the Jewish scholars explain it and it's uh, here in the, in the story that she, that she calls him Cain because I bought mm-hmm. a man that, I don't know it's the weird grammar but let's say of Yahweh from yeah, Yahweh like even though it says God sold me a soul, something yeah. like that. Kaniti. Yeah. Kaniti kind. Uh, no. I don't kaniti no. this. I don't buy it's this. It's a clear editing job uh, by the, the Yaoist. Yeah, they say kaniti, it's not buy, it's I received. Okay. It's, it's kind of like when you see Oliver Stone's Alexander, and Alexander <laughs> speaks in a 
some kind of a semi-British, semi-Irish American accent. Like English English, not American English, is the, old, is the language of the old world, of the past. If they all had American accents, that would, that would have been weird. Like our suspension of disbelief uh, would be, be more modern uh, feeling if all of the characters, if Alexander and Aristotle would talk uh, American English. Yeah, that would be weird. And even the English of the character themselves, you can see somebody that is more educated, somebody is less educated. The English itself, it's not only Oxfordian English, it's also like, uh, I don't know, uh, Uh, Cockney or something like that to show the levels yes, of education. Yes. You mentioned that when we had this conversation uh, offline about the show Rome where you see there people in the lower uh, strata, strata yeah. their English is more Irish yeah. or Northern. So like the movie Alexander, it's not really the same thing, but there's some kind of a reclamation of a well-known story. The fact that it's a Hollywood movie mm. and the characters speak in English and it comes from the Anglo-Saxon sphere. So the story of an historical, well-known character from Macedonia is part of the Anglo-Saxon history now mm. because they showed it in English. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And so here English a, is the, the dominant uh, the lingua language, franca, lingua franca yeah. of today's world. Because if you saw that movie, it was a Polish movie, and they would have uh, spoken Polish, you would have a hard time now that doesn't work no that doesn't work it works less maybe it works for the polish people <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but it doesn't work as a good, yeah because yeah. It's, because now poland this is polish is just for those in poland this has nothing to english, do with macedonia it's something neutral <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah but, but english english is, yeah but english is everywhere everybody speaks english if you bring this story for your uh, creative writing uh, <laughs> course the teacher will throw you out of the class. It's written horribly. And even when you read the translation, it's the grammar, the sentencing, the phrasing, it's, it relies heavily on cultural context and understanding yes. through that context. Yes. For example, when Yahweh, Yahweh says to Cain, uh, why are your face is fallen, <laughs> which is uh, very nice, it's uh, quite poetic. Yeah. He warns him about his uh, feelings that if he feels envious, he might do something extreme. If you will do good, and if you won't do good, <laughs> through your door, basically. <laughs> yes. Like, if you do good and don't do good, on well, your doorstep will lie sin. Sin will lie. Sin will, sin lie. will wait for you. And to you, it's passion, the passion of the sin. Of the sin. For you... To control it. Even in Hebrew, we need the uh, rabbis uh, to, <laughs> to translate it to us or biblical uh, okay. scholars. I think we also can't rule out that the sentence is grammatically incorrect uh, because of the layers and layers of editing and redactions. Mm -hmm. Maybe there were other deities uh, involved here, like in the original Sumerian story. Mm. Maybe Cain said something to another deity and that had to be you know, struck from the record. Right. Conversely... You can see the beauty in it. Maybe you can look at it this way. Whether you do good or do evil, mm -hmm. your sin is lying and waiting for you on your doorstep and you have passion mm. for it. You have passion for the sin. This is like something very human, very primal, that sin mm. is lying and waiting there for us in case we don't overcome it. Mm. In the colloquial translation here to colloquial Hebrew, it says, Why are you upset? Why are you sad? Yahweh asked Cain. 
if you do good, you will be forgiven. Mm-hmm. I don't see that in the, <laughs> in the text. No. But if you don't do good, then sin lies waiting for you. The sin wants you, but you can control, control it. it. Or if you won't control uh, your sin, the, your sin will rule you. Your emotions will rule you. Yes. This is like... You will be slave to your emotions. Azeu Gibor, Akoveshet Yitzron. Where does that come from? Who is the hero? Uh, the one it's who from con- second century it's Rabbi Akiva I Rabbi Akiva like who is the hero the one who controls like your basic instincts yeah and Cain says Vayomer Cain there's not like quotation mark and Cain said mm-hmm. I think it's more like and Cain said to the in the context of the contemporary audience it means he came to talk to him uh, he came to look him up to talk to him in an excuse to kill him Cain is excommunicated. He hides from Yahweh. So again, this is a local God that if you go to some other place, then, you can, then he won't be able to kill you. And, he, and then he goes to settle in uh, the land of Nod, uh, east of Eden. Kidmat, Kidmat Eden, east of Eden. A lot of people try to, through, throughout history, to try to make sense and ground the story in some kind of historical uh, truth. Where did he go? It was this place or that place. So Josephus Flavius, when he wrote uh, the Antiquities of the Jews, this is like 93 AD or uh, 93 CE, common era. Basically the history of Jews. The history of Jews. So he tries to explain how how Cain, he has something inherently violent uh, in him and all the things that he did later, Uh, transformed human culture from innocent into deceitful and how property lines were were established and that is in the negative context this is mine there's a line here i have a white fence around my lawn this is mine this no no this is we're not sharing anymore <laughs> yeah. i'm keeping my shit thank you and then these people these soft people They can pay to have, uh, to have warriors to protect them. Ay, 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 ay. This is not the way, this is not the way to go. Dishonorable. You can read it in English and it sounds like my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out of this day from the face of the ground. And in literal Hebrew, it's something like, and kind saying to Yahweh. My punishment, my, uh, my sin, or my, even my poverty, my yeah. uh, material uh, conditions right. are too big to bear. You also <laughs> removed me today from the face of the earth and from you. I will hide. And I was uh, going here and there. And I the was land. going here and there in the land. And anybody who found me killed me. <laughs> like I want to read the English version again. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out of this day from the face of the ground. Shall be hidden from your face, I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kid me. Wow. (laughs) Again. I was going here and there on earth, and everybody who found me killed me. (laughs) And said to him, Yahweh. So, anybody who killed Cain, sevenfold, will be avenged, and Yahweh put on Cain's head a sign, so no one will hit him <laughs> if they found him. You know, I'm, I'm torn here. It could be just like a very ancient story that's written in very, very bad Hebrew, or maybe, again, I can't rule out that it was just like edited beyond recognition. 
So to sum up, we had two creation stories with two DTs. We then had a combo of those two DTs, banish Adam and Eve, Hawa, from the garden. And now we have their eldest son killing their youngest son, the farmer killing the herdsman. And in the next episode, we'll see how the families fare. And then we'll get to Noah. Mm-hmm. Noah. 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 Uh, whom you know. So after that one, the, uh, I hope we'll, uh, we'll have several uh, episodes dedicated to Noah and not just do one. Uh, we'll see how it goes. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out uh, next week our uh, next episode. And it's better if you follow uh, our podcast uh, so you're so you're sure you're not going to miss uh, anything and if you'd like to help us uh, maybe you can forward it to a friend uh, post on social on social media and uh, give us a rating if you're listening to this from a platform that allows a rating we're, we're available on all the big platforms and we have a website mm-hmm. and our website is podcast of biblical proportions.com so we'll see you all next time bye everybody bye